0: Amen. If you have a Bible this morning, uh, turn with me uh, to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we want to look at verses 1 through 9 this morning. If you'll notice the topic, we're going to look at this position, perilous times ahead. Now, it's a King James word, and you're going to see the various translations uh, that the word perilous brings forth. But what Paul was talking to uh, Timothy as he writes this beautiful epistle, He speaks to him in this area of perilous times. Uh, The easiest translation, it is to say hard times. And you're going to see, I'm going to read out of one of my books, uh, the various translations that we can look at this word, kalepos in the Greek. But as Paul was in prison, this is his second imprisonment, He's in Rome, and I want you to think of the oppression of Rome upon the early church. It was devastating. And here's Paul looking at Roman soldiers that would have been shackled to him every day. In fact, usually they, they were shackled to Paul. At least one prisoner would have one guard, and it would be for a four-hour period, and then they would change. What's interesting is you study Paul's letters, many of these Uh, that he was shackled to, they came to saving grace. But yet Paul saw uh, the times of Rome here. How vicious it was. How much it was perilous times. The hardship, the pain, the anguish. And then we know that Paul never comes uh, out of the second imprisonment. We know that Nero has him beheaded. And so the times that he was living in, Paul assumed, as did Timothy and Titus, you know, all the early church, they assumed that this was the last days. Nero has to be the Antichrist. The oppressors are Rome. And here we are, as I shared, 1950 plus years later, and we still see the evidence of the last days. In Matthew chapter 24 the disciples came to Jesus and they asked him, What will be the signs of the times concerning the last days? And Jesus goes into this, this whole position. There will be you know, earthquakes, famines, pestilence, wars and rumors of wars. Well, we have seen that for the last 2,000 years. But here now Paul speaks about specific perilous times, hard times. And then he speaks about men and women that were also considered perilous. The evil that we see today. And so we're going to describe some things and we're going to, you know, break down this word perilous in verse 1. And so go with me to 2 Timothy 3. Look at verse 1 now. Paul says to Timothy, but know this, Timothy, that in the last days, perilous times will come. As we mentioned already, Rome was a strong oppressor upon the early church. Paul, you know, received that from Rome. So did Titus, and so did Timothy. The early church was under such oppression, and so the last days was for them then, but what about us today? Paul was speaking about the present, and here we are, as we shared 1950 plus years later, are we looking at perilous times right now? Are they going to get worse? And I believe so as we look at the book of Revelation. But let's look at perilous times. The word perilous, Dr. Ralph Earl, a Greek scholar that I love to read, he says that the word perilous is kalepos in the Greek. And basically it means hard Times. That's the best and the easiest translation. Hard times. And here's the rendition. Hard times to deal with. Difficult times to deal with. Hard times to bear with. Hard times that are going to be painful. Times at the end. In fact, Dr. Earl says that uh, here the rendering in the text from verses 1 through 9. Harsh times. And here's another translation. Fierce times. And we're going to use this in one of our uh, verses this morning. Savage times. Look around us. All we have to do is turn on, you know, the local news. And then see the nationwide news. I mean, we're living in savage times. If you see what's going on in our own sister country right here. In Mexico, in Juarez. We're living in savage times. People killing, beheading. It's becoming a way of life out there. And so Dr. Earl says, you know, not only harsh times, fierce times, hard times, but savage times. But what about our nation right now? Another word to translate perilous times, stressful times. We see the word stressful. Look at our economy. Everybody's concerned. Look at the foreclosures on houses. Look at the banks that are bellying up and more that are coming. Your Ford Motor Company, your, you know, the top three, the things that they're going through. We're looking at some stressful times. Those that are the baby boomers, they're concerned about, you know, is there going to be Social Security? The concerns of, you know, is my 401k going to hold up? Is my retirement, is it intact? I mean, I have saved, I have saved. And so stressful times. Kaleppos. Now Jesus used this word in another passage. Paul uses it here. It's only twice that we see this word, kaleppos. And it means exactly what it says. But I want you to listen to this verse. Let me set it up for you. In Matthew chapter 8, And I'm going to just read verse 28. Jesus comes into this area of Gadara. And it was well known at the time. The purpose that he went there, there were two demoniacs. Two men that were demon possessed. In fact, the Bible says that they used to cut themselves. And they used to yell and scream. And In fact, people would not go to that area of Gadara. Because there was so much fear concerning these two demoniacs. But Jesus went there purposely for them. And I want to read the verse to you. Matthew chapter 8 verse 28. And it says when he had come to the other side. This is Christ. He says to the country of the Gadarenes. They met him. Two demon possessed men coming out of the tombs. And here's the description of Kaleppos. Perilous times. The word perilous here is exceedingly fierce. The word fierce Speaks of these men were kalepos. And they were so exceedingly fierce. The Bible says that people went the other way. They wanted nothing to do with them. Yet Jesus met them. And he healed them and he touched them there. And so Paul's using this same word. In the last days, kalepos. Men that are fierce like this man. These two demoniacs. Hard times. And so the description was so vivid, and we're going to see. Again, look at what we're living in right now. This is stressful times. I mean, who doesn't think, am I going to have a job next year? Am I going to foreclose next year? Am I going to have to, you know, go bankrupt? And you begin to think of these things, and see, it happens to the just and to the unjust. The Christian is not exempt. So we're living in perilous times. And so in verse 2, he begins to describe these type of perilous people, these type of wicked people, evil people, stressful. They brought stress into the early church. He says in verse 2, for men, and here's the key, will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. They will be boasters. They will be proud. Now, there's nothing wrong with pride if we have good pride. We're pride, you know, the pride that we have for our schools, the pride that we have for our nation, the pride that we have in our ethnic backgrounds. There's a good pride. But he speaks about a different pride here, a pride that puffs up. A pride that becomes arrogant. And the scripture says before the fall of man, there's pride. Before that they fall, pride comes into the picture. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers. We're seeing that already. Disobedient to parents. I thank the Lord for the young people in our church. I thank the Lord right now. Our youth are in their study, in their teaching. But we're seeing a generation of disobedient children uh, to parents. He goes on, we're seeing a group of people that are unthankful. And then he describes another group. In the last days, people that are unholy. We're seeing that already, church. And so let me break this down now. From verses 2 through 4, Paul describes 18 characteristics of men's hearts in the last days. Do we see these types today? And the answer is yes. They're already here. These perilous times will operate by perilous men and women. Fierce men and women in the last days. These fierce men and women will be lovers of self. He begins the first uh, breaking down of the scripture. Lovers of self. They could care less about others. Oh, we're seeing that today, church. Lovers of money. Now, the Bible says that, you know, the root of all evil, money is the root of all evil when we get to that point. But it's the love of money. I mean, it's obvious you have paychecks, I I get a salary. Money's there. But when it takes over our lives and it becomes, you know, the love of money, I'll do anything in my power to get that money. You see it today. The people that are so concerned about Wall Street. And I understand that in our economy, to a certain point, we need that. But the fluctuation of it, going up and down. And so in the last days, lovers of money, and those lovers of money, they'll do anything in their power to get more. Boasters, listen to this. In the last days, the word to boast here is it's about somebody that brags. Look what I have, look what you don't have but boasters here are wanderers wandering aimlessly in fact jude speaks of wandering stars interesting now proud again we mentioned earlier there's a good pride but the proud that it's spoken of here pride sets into their hearts i'm better than you and so pride takes over In your own, I want you to study Isaiah chapter 14. There we see Lucifer, a created being. I believe he was one of the archangels. Was Michael and Gabriel. And I believe the third archangel could have easily been Lucifer. I believe he was in charge of, of the music in heaven. You go to Ezekiel chapter 28. But in Isaiah chapter 14, he looks at the throne of God. And he says to himself, I can do God's work. And it's called the 5 eye wills of Lucifer. And the Bible says that it was his pride that took him down. And so pride that sets in the heart, I'm better than you. And then in the last days, blasphemers, listen to this, people that are not pious uh, towards God or godly things, godly articles, Now, you see today, a godless society. People that, there's no concern. They will blaspheme God. They will blaspheme the church. But I think one of the things that grabs a hold of me, if you've watched the news, doesn't happen constantly, but I don't understand these renegades, these young uh, skinheads, they call themselves Nazis, and many times they'll go into cemeteries and they desecrate. They knock over headstones. They paint swastikas. I don't understand them going into a synagogue or a house of worship, any house of worship, and they desecrate. They write blasphemous things. They put swastikas, and so these are blasphemers, as the scripture says are we seeing this today? And the answer is yes. They're not pious towards God or the things of God. And here's that other one. Disobedient to parents, are we seeing this today? Yes. Disobedience is is one of the, the main factors with our young children today. Towards their parents, listen, towards authority, they could care less. We're seeing so many young people today that are being arrested, taken in. There's just no obedience. They could care less. We're seeing a generation of young people without God. And again, I thank the Lord for uh, the young people that come here and that God's able to get a hold of them and to minister to them. Now he also, not only disobedient to parents, but in the the last days you're going to have men and women that are unthankful. And the word translates here, they're ungrace, grateful. In other words, there's no grace in them. All they think of is self and the things of the world. They could care less that they're thankful. I don't understand. We live in a beautiful country. We're not perfect. I love our country. I love our flag. I don't understand when somebody burns our flag and you're part of the United States. If that bothers you so much, go to France. Go to France. Go to Germany. Go to Russia. You don't like the flag? Move on. Interesting. And so unthankful because there's no grace of God. And look at this last one. Unholy. Unholy. And so unholy... A generation of unholy people. And the word here is speaking of wicked people. Now we know there's perilous people in the world. Now he speaks about unholy. They're wicked, young and old. There's no concern, listen, for God. There's no concern for their fellow man. They could care less. He goes on into verse three, and he describes more of these type in the last days unloving lovers of self <laughs> they're unloving unforgiving listen to this slanders and you're going to be surprised the translation of the word there and those that are without self-control look at and see what society is doing today brutal and that's where the word savage comes in and then it says despisers of good And so here in verse 3, Paul gives more examples of the type of people in the last days. Unloving people, again, they care only for self. Unforgiving uh, towards others. The Greek says here, they're truce breakers. A handshake means nothing. A contract means nothing. A verbal agreement means nothing. Some of you might recall the days when, you know, a man shook another man's hand, and it was a deal, a a transaction. And it was held, uh, your bond, my bond. I saw that in my grandparents. We're not seeing that today. (laughs) It it means nothing. Listen, I'm going to buy that vehicle, I'm going to give you this much money, and I'm going to pay you this much every month. Okay, you want to sign a contract? No, I trust you. We don't hear that today. And so we see these words that are so vital here. People that are, they could care less, church. Again, truce breakers, a handshake, nothing. But no, notice in the last days, uh, these perilous men and women, slanderers. Now, I told you the Greek word here. It's very interesting. It is the word diabolos in the Greek. And where, to, where does the word diabolos, it means the, the devil himself. Diablos, the Bible says that Satan, listen, he is the accuser of the brethren. We read that in Revelation 12, 10. He accuses the brothers and the sisters and the throne room of God day and night. He's the accuser of the brethren. It should be nothing new to us. Now, on your own, study John chapter 8, the gospel. Jesus is dealing with a religious sect. He's dealing with a... uh, when, when you speak about the, the religious leaders at the time, the Pharisees, the scribes, and the Sadducees. And Jesus tells them in John 8, 44, in the last days, we're going to see this. And they were Diabolos. <laughs> they followed their father, the liar, which is Satan. He's a liar. He's the accuser. Now, let's go to the word brutal, and I mentioned it earlier. We see that the word perilous speaks about hard times ahead, fierce times, dangerous times. And, but now here is this word brutal. We spoke about fierce times. And then we gave you another word that Dr. Earl said. And he said the word Savage. Savage. And this is going to touch home in the Southwest. Here's our neighbor, the Ciudad Juarez, 40 miles from us. I was looking up the statistics. 1,400 have died brutal murders in Juarez in, in this past year, 2008. And recently, we've seen a surge, not only the murders, but then the beheading. What drives a man uh, to do that to another man? But savage, brutal people. And so one of the things that's going on in Juarez, and this was in this morning's paper. I saw the blog last night. They've already, the cartels have already uh, placed notice that they're going to start killing off children in the schools and kidnapping and kidnapping Parents that, or that, teachers and children. And then if they don't get what they want, then they're going to start killing them. Already the people in Juarez say, we're not going to send our kids. And you can't blame them. And then here on our side of the fence, nobody wants to go to Juarez anymore. Nobody wants to go to Paloma's anymore. Not even to go get a bite to eat or for, you know, medication some people were going. We're living in brutal times. I'm not talking about Los Angeles. I'm not talking about New York. I'm talking about what is? It's 40 miles from us. I mean, we've been down there many times. These are brutal times. And so Paul spoke about this. In the last days, look at the last description of verse 3. Despisers of good. Are we seeing this already? Despisers of good. The word despisers, hostile, the translation is radical here. Hostile, it says towards good things. Hostile means warlike or hatred like. It was happening then, uh, obviously, by Rome, on the early church. But here we are, as we mentioned, 1950 plus years ago. History has a way of going full circle. History has a way of repeating itself. Now, if, if these are the types in the last days, and the church is still here, what's going to happen once the church is harpostled, raptured out? You see, Second Thessalonians tells us that the restrainer on the, on the world right now is the Holy Spirit. And that restrainer is the Holy Spirit in the church. Once the church is harpostled, once the church is, is raptured out, The Holy Spirit will not be here no more. And all hell will break loose on planet Earth. Seven sealed judgments, seven trumpet judgments, and seven bold judgments. It's obvious. Revelation chapter 6 to Revelation chapter 18. And yet man doesn't want to believe. And so again, in the last days, not only brutal people, but despisers of those things that are good. Look at verse 4 now. He continues to describe the type of people in the last days. They're going to be traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. These perilous men and perilous women will also be traitors. Now, listen to the word traitors. They're going to be betrayers. And this word that's used for traitors, this word betrayer, is exactly what Judas Iscariot was. He gave up Jesus for 30 pieces of silver uh, with a kiss. Is that going to happen in the last days? It's already starting to happen. In the last days, men are going to turn in their own families in the last days. You see today, there's families that are, you know, gangsters basically. And Uncle Joe has, you know, a $10,000 reward on him. All of a sudden, the nephews are looking at him. Mm hmm. Easy, quick, 10 grand. Oh, it's going to happen, church. It's happened before. Notice not only traitors, but listen to this word. In the last days, there's going to be men and women that are headstrong. Now, headstrong, in other words, that they just think they're everybody. And the translation in the Greek is radical. Their head becomes so big that they fall forward. I knew some big headed people in my day, but I don't think they've ever fallen forward. We used to have a group of two guys. Well, that, oh, that's a long story. They, they'll never hear it. They were called the Moonies, and you know why we called them Moonies? We couldn't get a helmet on them for football season. And that's a whole other story. Please don't send this to California. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, stop it. Headstrong heads that are. Too big, they fall forward. It goes along with a haughty spirit. Listen, inflated spirit, a conceited spirit that speaks of a haughty person, a prideful, a big bag of wind, and God's going to topple them over. God is going to topple them over. And then it speaks about in the last days, listen to this, lovers of pleasure. We, We see that today, church. Lovers of sexual, lustful desires. We see that everywhere now. Rather than lovers of God and the things of God. Paul saw these in the times of Rome there. The first century. Are we seeing it today, 21 centuries later? And the answer is yes. Notice verse 5 now. And again, more description of these perilous men, perilous women. And this group here, it's obvious they're in the church in the last days. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such, Paul says to Timothy, from such people, turn away. Run away from them. Stay away from them. These perilous men and women, they're going to have a form, listen, of godliness. An appearance of godliness. They look like Christian. They act like Christian. They speak Christianese. But listen to what it says here. They deny its power. There's the key, church. The word power that's used here in the Greek is the same word that's used in the book of Acts chapter 2. When the power of the Holy Spirit came. It's the word dunamis. A dynamic power. Denying. Notice what it says. Its power. In other words, they rejected this dunamis power of the Holy Spirit. They're not saved. They're not filled with the Holy Spirit of God, but they're in the church. And Paul says from such people, avoid them, stay away from them. Now, some might ask at this point, and I would bring the reference forward. But Pastor Bob, don't we have to minister to them? Yes. Shouldn't we reach out to them? Yes. But you said avoid them. Avoid the things that they bring you into contact with. If you know your friends are still doing drugs and, and, you know, still drinking and still carousing with men and women, stay away from them. We're in the world, but we're not part of the world. I told you in my testimony, I tried to go back to the bar and, and, you know, I wanted to go witness. I wasn't going to drink anymore. Eventually, I was asked to leave the bar because I would take my Bible and I would sit it right there on the counter. And I'll never forget... uh, the bartender, he says, Bob, I've known you for years. He says, You're welcome, but you need to take that book out of here. You're scaring my, my clients. And I said, You know what? If they don't want that book, which I, you don't want Jesus, then you don't want me. There has to be a separation, church. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power, the power of the Holy Spirit, because they're not saved from such a void. If you don't avoid them, listen, eventually they're going to bring you down. Eventually they're going to bring you back to that place of of Egypt. They're going to bring you back to that place of Babylon. Listen, they're going to bring you back, it says, like a dog that goes back to his vomit. Before you know it, there's nothing wrong with going to a ball game. There's nothing wrong going fishing. But your friend calls you up and says, hey, I got the boat. Let's go fishing on Sunday. All right, that's cool. I have been fishing for a while. Okay, the next Sunday, hey, I still got the boat. Let's go again. And then the next Sunday, all of a sudden, five, six Sundays in a row, you're going fishing. I'll tell you what, the enemy's winning. The enemy's winning. I love love to go watch a good ball game just like anybody else. But let us not neglect the things of God. And so we're beginning to see this. And and if you hang with these type of people, they're going to draw you in. Little by little by little, Paul says, avoid them. And look at verse 6 now. For of this sort, these men, these women in the last days that are perilous type people, for of this sort are those, and he's speaking about the men here, who creep into households and they make captive of gullible women loaded down with sin. They're already in sin. And they're led away by various lusts. So Paul's describing these type of perilous men in the last days. Listen, they're going to creep in uh, to houses. The Greek word is strong here. How are they going to creep in? They're going to worm their way into the house like a little slug or like a snake. Now listen, they're going to slither in. On the slime that they are. And then the women are going to fall trapped to them. And so. What to do. Once they win their way into the house. Into the lives of those. In the house. They will make captive. Of these gullible women. And the Greek says. They will capture. Listen to the translation. Foolish little women. Bound with sin already. Now. The caption of little women is speaking of young women. Young women that are just starting out in their sin natures. And all of a sudden, these men come, and the sin nature progresses and gets greater. And before you know it, you know, they're not teenagers anymore. Before you know it, they're not even young ladies anymore. They're already mature women steep into their sin. Little women Already with sin, then it says, they lead them away with various lusts. The Greek says, they drive them away with motley lust. The word motley lust means many desires sexually. Men and women today believe the lies that are being fed to them. You see, we have a generation of people that are growing up with a Hollywood scene. That are growing up with a movie industry, the music industry, the television industry. And, you know, we're all susceptible and there are good things out there, but we begin to buy into the lie. Look at the commercials, men. You know what I'm talking about. Coors brings out a commercial. Budweiser brings out a commercial. And why is it they, they, they always bring out these women that are gorgeous, that are beautiful, and the men that are beautiful. Too. Where's the big bellies with the beer? Huh, that won't sell. Where's the bloated stomachs that, that have cirrhosis of the liver and the jaundice? It won't sell. They bring out these men that look like Greek gods and the women that look like Greek goddesses. And you go, oh, they're dancing. Oh, I want to do that. And then they're lavish cars there're lavish houses. But what the ads don't show you, what the television commercials don't show you, is the accidents that occur because of drunkenness, because of DUIs. They don't show you the rehab centers. They don't show you a drunk tank where everybody's vomited over each other, gone to the bathroom on themselves, fighting among themselves. It's reality. Show that in your commercial. It won't sell the product. This is what's happening in the last days. Oh, they show the beautiful cars and, you know, they show the, uh, the beautiful, uh, there's always a, a house that's by the beach. Come on, we're in the Southwest. We don't even have a house by the Rio Grande. <laughs> but you buy into these things and we think their toys are toys. You know, oh, we got to have that one. Oh, we got to have that one. They all have boats and they all have motorcycles. They all have this and that. Oh, oh, where do they work? They don't show broken marriages. They don't show battered wives. They don't show children that have been abandoned because of alcohol. Listen, I've I've covered all that being a police chaplain. I've gone over here to uh, you know the hospitals. I've buried a couple of my own friends. Their bellies are sticking out hard as a rock. Yellow jaundice. Their eyes are yellow. They won't show you these things, church. They will not show you these. These type creep in uh, to the houses. And we, we, we see the, uh, you know, the commercials and we see the ads and we see all these things. And we think that's life. Remember that slogan? Get all the gusto you can. Notice verse 7. Now again... Education comes into the picture. And again, if you've known me, you've come here long enough. Education is part of our life. We need education. But listen to what he says. Always learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Always learning. And these perilous men and perilous women in the last days, it's all about learning the things of the world. But they're never able to come, listen, uh, to the knowledge of the truth. The truth. So what is it if you get all the PhDs you can get a hold of? But you don't come to the knowledge of the truth of what's in the scriptures. You know what who, people say, well, what is truth? Well, I'm going to give you the answer. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to my father but through me. Jesus is the truth. They have all the knowledge and the wisdom of the world. Again, we understand television and movies and magazines and the music industry more than we do God's Word. But do we know Jesus? Do we know Jesus? I have all the education. I have all the technical skills. I have all the trade skills. But I don't know Christ you know, I graduated top honors. I graduated from Derive. I mean, I graduated. I'm the best electrician. I'm the best carpenter. I'm the best plumber. Praise God. But do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Re- remember what Jesus said. What does it profit a man uh, to gain the whole world but to lose his or her soul? You got all these accomplishments. I don't know if you've ever been to a businessman's office. And, you know, I've been to several. I know several. And, you know, you go in, I go, wow. Man, there's no room to paint. So many awards, so many. I go, good. Do you know Jesus? And the men that I know and the women that I know that have businesses like this, they know Jesus. They know Jesus. Because I've shared with them. Others have shared with them. And I'll tell them point blank, all of these awards are meaningless. Are meaningless unless you know Christ, unless you know Christ. Again, look at verse 7, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And then in verse 8, it seems that Paul in the second letter has been naming people, hasn't he? And he had named Hymenius and Philetus and Alexander. And now he speaks of these two men, Janus and Jambres. Look at verse 8. Now as Janus and Jambres, they resisted Moses. So he's taking us back to the Old Testament. So do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds. These are, uh, again, in the last days, these perilous type of people. Men of corrupt minds, disapproved men concerning the faith. And so he uses the uh, the example here. I want you to turn with me. Go to Exodus chapter 7. These two men, Janus and Jambres, in Jewish writings are presumed to be the two men in Pharaoh's court in Exodus chapter 7 who opposed Moses when he came and and told Pharaoh, let my people go. And it's the story of the staff, remember? And remember these two gentlemen, uh, they come and they have their staffs and they all turn into serpents. But watch what happens now. And so in Exodus chapter 7, look at verse 8. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, and he said, When Pharaoh speaks to you, saying, Show a miracle for yourselves, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your staff, cast it before Pharaoh, and let it become a serpent. And so Moses and Aaron went into into Pharaoh, and, and they did so, just as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. But Pharaoh also called uh, the wise men, the sorcerers, uh, so the magicians of Egypt. And they also did in like manner with their enchantments. It's always interesting to me. uh, God has his miracle signs and wonders, but so does the enemy. Make sure when the miracle signs and wonders that they're of the Lord. They're of the Lord. Satan has power. The demonic realm has power. Paul writes to the Corinthians, <laughs> they become angels of light. And so listen to what he says here. He had, to say, he had sorcerers. He had magicians. Uh, there in Egypt. He had uh, those that celebrated enchantments or practiced enchantments. And then it says in verse 12, For every man threw down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staff. Now, that spoke to them. Because up to that point, You know, Pharaoh's magicians, Pharaoh's men, they had done this before. It was nothing to turn in the staff uh, to a serpent. But Aaron's staff, the rod that became a serpent of the Lord, it swallowed up the other two serpents. Uh Uh-oh. And you all saw the Ten Commandments. It's beautiful. And so every man threw down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staff. And Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them uh, to the Lord had said. He did not let God's people go. And we see the ten plagues. And remember that same staff, he takes and he touches the Nile River, and it turns into blood red. You see, God has these miracle signs and wonders. Satan has them too. But they're temporal and they're weak. And so these men, uh, Janice and Jambres, they opposed Moses. So will men in the last days. Perilous men and women. They're going to oppose God, God's servants, and God's word. Now, let's go back to verse 8. I want to touch a little bit more. Now, as Janice and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith. These men resisted Moses, Janus and Jambres. They came against Moses, God's servant. In turn, they opposed, they resisted or they rejected, listen, the truth. And we have to ask here, who and what is the truth? Jesus is the truth. We read in John fourteen six, and his word is truth. Read the gospel of John chapter 1. These type of men and women in the last days will be men, listen to the description, of corrupt minds. Men and women of depraved intellects. Webster's Dictionary says that the word depraved speaks of a depraved mind, is a, a depraved intellect. It speaks of a wicked man or a wicked mind, excuse me, of a man or a woman. And then Paul says here, these perilous men and women are disapproved concerning the faith. The King James gives you the best translation here. They become reprobates concerning faith. In other words, they reject faith. They become castaways uh, to faith. They become unapproved uh, to faith. Worthless men and women in the last days concerning their faith, their personal belief in Jesus Christ in the last days. We will witness many leaving the faith and the multitudes never coming to faith. Now, I want you to see this. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. You see, we're going to see men and women in the time of perilous days. We're going to see that type of people, perilous people, and we described all the various things that they're going to do. People that are going to bring hardship upon others. They're going to be fierce. We, we read the word savage. They're going to be brutal. We're seeing these effects already. And so, Janice and Jambres, did they ever come to saving grace? I doubt it very much. So many that oppose the gospel. And so in Matthew chapter 7, Verses 13 and 14, it's amazing when I read these scriptures because when you study the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus is always speaking about hell. He doesn't speak about heaven that much because he wants you to know and be aware of hell. Hell is real. And yet so many people, they don't want to believe it. Listen to what Jesus says. Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many, many who go in it, in by it. This describes the entrance uh, to hell. It's very wide. Many, many enter. Then he describes heaven in verse 14. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. And so the entrance to heaven is very narrow, narrow. And only few will enter. When you study the New Testament, and when we speak about hell, hell, it, it, the doors are wide open. The pathway to hell is widespread, and multitudes are going in daily. But the road to salvation, the road to eternal life, is very narrow and very straight. Only few enter. You see, when you go back to the ark, And Moses, or Noah, excuse me, Noah preached for 120 years. And God told him, tell the people to come into the ark. We know the story. Only eight entered the ark. It was Noah and his family. It's interesting that the animals came into the ark two by two. But you see, God has bestowed upon man a free will. We're free moral agents. Back in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve were told, you can eat of all the trees. But this particular tree of good and evil, you're not to partake of it. It had nothing to do with the fruit. It had everything to do with obedience. Obey me. And they disobeyed God. And so, when you look at the scriptures, when you see man's free will, the road to destruction is very wide. And many, many are going to enter. The road to salvation and to heaven is very straight and very narrow. Only few will enter. Janus and Jambres, I believe, did not enter the kingdom of God. Hymenius and Philetus and Alexander, we don't know. But it sure does not look like they ever repented. You see, God has to see our hearts. God has to see our hearts. Let's go back to our text. We're going to conclude and look at verse 9. In verse 90, this is the conclusion. But they will progress no further. These perilous men, perilous women, Janice and Jambres were stopped. And so were Hymenaeus and and Philetus and Alexander, they were stopped. And in the last days, these type of men are going to be stopped. But they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all, as there was also. So, these perilous men and women... Will not, get away with their, uh, they will not get away with their perilous deeds. One day, everyone will recognize what fools they are, just as it happened with Janice and Jambres. Your sins will find you out. There is so much hatred today concerning the church, the body of Christ. I'm listening to... Mike Huckabee last night on TV before I went to bed. And he's a politician. He's a Christian man. And he's there in, in you know, the, uh, what is that area? No. See, I lost it. This is what happens when you get old. Where the president lives. Give me it. There you go. I knew you knew it. This is Mike Huckabee, golly. I had it all set up. It was perfect. Mike Huckabee was saying, there is so much corruption in D.C. And every Christmas, there's a push. Let's get Christmas out of it. Now, Huckabee said this, and I agree. Now, they don't want us to celebrate the birth of Christ. And they're heathens. They want nothing to do with it. But there's another push. He says they don't want nothing to do with the holidays. They don't want, listen to this, they don't want Santa Claus. They don't want Frosty the snowman. And they don't want the reindeers. And I'm going, oh, man. I mean, what did Frosty ever do to you? (laughs) This is all part of the holidays. You know, but this is the type of people, evil, evil. And right now the church is here what's going to happen when the church is gone let me read to you real quick we're done but these three verses numbers chapter 32 verse 23 but if you do not do so then take note you have sinned against the lord and here's the key and be sure your sin will find you out we cannot hide from god in romans 323 all have sinned and come short of the glory of god romans 623 For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But I like this. In Romans 10, 13, Paul did not leave it, you know, alone. The wages of sin is death. We go back and we know because of Adam and Eve, all men are born with Adamic sin. But in Romans 10, 13 those that call upon the name of the Lord, listen, shall be saved. God always makes a way of escape. God always makes a way of escape. But one day, I believe God's going to take the church out. One day, the tribulation is going to start. One day, There's going to be a man called Antichrist. He's going to be a type of Antiochus Epiphanes of the Old Testament. He's going to come into office. And right now, our world is ripe for a world leader that'll bring in the answers to the economy, that'll bring in the answers to the political scene, that'll bring in the answers, listen, to the religious scene. The stage has been set perilous times were in the time of Paul, but perilous times have been for the last 2,000 years. Jesus said, if you see these things coming, take heed. Look up. Your redemption draws near. Let's all stand. We'll end with a word of prayer. Father, thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace, your love and your mercy. Lord, I pray That each person here this morning, that they know you, Lord. And if they don't know you, they need to come to the cross. Not to Calvary Chapel, and not to Pastor Bob, but they need to come to the cross. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to my Father, but through me. Lord, I pray that you would bring a conviction to those that are here that don't know you. Those that would be listening to the CD later that don't know you. Father, bless your people as they've come, Lord. Father, bless the offerings. As you've given to us, we give back a portion. And it's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen.